0: Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Beasy. So, believe it or not, we're coming up to Thanksgiving. Um, and the whole idea of you know, giving thanks for things you know, is in my mind. And it just made me start to think about you know, that question of what, what are we here for? It's a question that comes back to us always as we carry on with our lives. We, we try to look for a purpose. Our reason for being. You know, most of us try to act in the best interests of ourselves, our families, and the wider community. You know, we want to make our contribution to what's going on. But I always think, you know, what if the very fact of living, the very fact of being alive, is the contribution that we're making? What if? all we're really asked to do is to live consciously and that the act of living consciously loving action that we need to take in making our contribution to life. Now, there's a wonderful and disturbing book and film by Kazuo Ishiguro called Never Let Me Go. It tells the story of a society that has solved all of its medical problems through organ donation. The only issue being that this necessitates the creation of people specially designed and bred with the intention that their purpose in life is to donate their organs to others. It's not stated, but it's implied that these people test tubes and therefore don't have to be strictly considered as being human. Although for all intents and purposes they do seem to be human, society doesn't actually recognise them as such. And from the age of 20, they begin to make their donations. An eye, a kidney, a liver... Rarely does someone live beyond their third donation, which can be a heart. And when they die, they're said to have completed. The interesting thing about the book, and I do recommend it, is it's a nice book, actually. It's beautifully written, and the film is an excellent film as well. Um, The interesting thing about the book is that no one really challenges the efficacy of the program. And those who are bred to make their donations just seem to accept that that's what they're born for, what they have to do. It's a fascinating concept and two things interest me about it. The first is the way that we readily accept the path that society maps out for us. It's amazing how little resistance even the poorest amongst us gives to the lot that they're given in life. I mean look at the caste system in India and the untouchables and the acceptance that's there for their particular order in life. There's much of society that stands on a conveyor belt that takes it from birth to death. We sort of just carry on in our own particular way and unless we're aware of the choices we're making and that does take being conscious of what's going on unless we're really aware of it we just end up watching the scenery passing us by as we're taken to our final destination so that's the first thing that interests me that idea that we just accepted the other thing that interests me about Ishiguru's world is the idea that all of us are in fact being asked to be donors of our lives to the universe. Could our purpose in simply being, you know, in living, be to donate our very being to the unfolding of evolution and enable life to be advanced by our conscious presence? Now, it is a bit creepy because, you know, like the donors in Ichiguru's world, our life is being used for the good of others. But unlike those donors, it doesn't result in our deaths. But the elevation of our experience of being alive, the idea that we're donating our being. When we arrive at the conscious state And we're talking here as a community that aspires to that conscious state. When we arrive at that conscious state, we know that our own little plans and ideas are nothing when compared to the unfolding of the greater purposes of life. And although we're still guided by our own petty wants and needs, if we were able to tap into the greater purpose of the universe, And let go of our own preferences, then we would be of immeasurably more service to the greater good. And, you know, the sages have always known this, Buddha, Jesus and Muhammad, you know, Gandhi, Mother Teresa. They didn't have their portfolio on the side that they're working on while they were getting on with what they were doing. They served the greater good. They denoted their very being to the service of all. We rush around with our own plans and schemes that our minds have come up with when something actually far greater than all our own plans and schemes are demanded of us. But to know that greater demand, to know that, we have to be conscious enough to recognise it. And that's why the imperative to live consciously is so important. It's only when we're living consciously that we can really recognise what's being demanded of us. And what is demanded of us all is not our great ideas, it's not our actions, it's not our care, it's not even our compassion. However, all those are never out of place. What's demanded of us is nothing less than our very being. And as we become more and more conscious of ourselves in the process of living, that becomes more and more obvious. In my view, we're most conscious we're most conscious when we are fully aware of the process of living, of our breathing, of the beating of our hearts, awareness then that you're at the very epicenter of aliveness. When you're really with your body, when you're really with your breath, when you're not with your mind, you're fully alive. At least in meditation, is the point where there is nothing but the breath. When you go into meditation, there is nothing but the breath. It is a sign and summation of the aliveness. And by being with it... And being with our minds, we give up to that aliveness that's our being. The conscious awareness of breath or mantra or whatever, at that moment becomes the most important action in life. And as we follow it, missing, not missing a single breath, not missing a single mantra, we to the aliveness of being over everything else, over all the good ideas that our minds want us to think about. And we follow it without missing a single breath or without missing a single mantra. There seems no reason for doing it. You know, you don't do that necessarily in my perspective. You can do it to relax. But when you're meditating or when you're consciously being with your aliveness you do it for no other reason than for being aware of the aliveness you don't do it to get enlightened you do it as an act of reverence for life and to fully inhabit our being and as we're doing it for the universe we do it for the good of others really we do it with no expectation of return and it is therefore an act of love for the universe an act done with no expectation of return. By giving up to the universe at that point of focus, whatever that may be, we're involved in an act of love as being the very purpose of our lives. You know, that old thing, the universe was given with no expectation of return, out of love, We're given our lives with no expectation of return, out of love. And our purpose in life is to give ourselves to that universe, to give ourselves back to that universe with no expectation of return. And in that moment, our minds are not involved and our focus is fully given. We give ourselves at that moment in love. We give of our very being. We donate our being to the universe and we become being donors to the good of all. Just like there are blood donors and kidney donors, we're asked, I think, to be being donors, giving over our being to be used by the loving impetus at the centre of all things. And although meditation is just a practice, in fact, we're practising living out the purpose of our lives so that as we go about our day, we begin to give ourselves in the same way. There's something in us that has been practicing that way of being with who we are, that being with our breath. It's very subtle. We do have thoughts that we act on, plans that come about, feelings that drive us, and circles of actions that we participate in. But the act of donating our being subtly changes everything. When we get to that point, when we make that decision that that's what we're there for, when we involve ourselves in it, in whatever practice we do it, new ideas begin to come to us. New people, new wisdom, new circumstances. Because our focus is different. It's not here. Our focus is at that that center. The conscious decision to be a being donor resets your life. Just, you know, when you do meditation, every time you have to consciously decide to give yourself to that meditation. That's, that's the first thing you ever do in meditation. You think, right, I am going to consciously decide, you know, to give myself to this next half hour, which is actually what we did at the beginning of this service. We consciously gave ourselves to this next hour or so. That's what people call the beginner's mind. Every time you come into a practice, you start with that conscious decision. In life, the decision to donate our being to the greater good, out of love, for the unfolding of consciousness, is the game changer that sets our life on a true course. We make the decision that we're not going to steer the course of our lives from the perception of our minds. We're going to give up to the greater ground of being and allow that to steer the course for us. That's really the meaning of that reading in The Stilling of the Storm that Barbara read. Our minds are like a storm of worries as to where we're going to end up. We feel our fear of being out of control, fear for our lives. Jesus has given up to the stillness at the center of his life. His being is donated to the greater good. Therefore, he is stillness. And it is this peace that passes all understanding that comes to us as we become being donors. We know that the deepest purpose of our life is to give ourselves completely with that no expectation of return. And there is no greater purpose or calling in life. We can therefore be at peace with our lives without having to understand where we're going or what's happening. Last week I read Thomas Merton's prayer, um, which goes like this. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I don't see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I'm following your will doesn't mean that I'm actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I'll never do anything apart from that desire. I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road. And though I may know nothing about it, Therefore, I will always trust you, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me and will never leave me to face my perils alone. That is the prayer of someone who knows their purpose in life and has donated their being to that purpose. By donating our being to the greater good, our very life becomes a portal for that love to come through us and to do what it will. We become a part of that love that's at the centre of all things. And our lives become made holy, sacrificio. We become those living sacrifices that Paul spoke of. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper Worship, and remember the meaning of worship is is worthship. To give worth to, we give worth to the eternal love at the centre of all things. Now, last week was Gift Day, and I put cards on your chairs uh, in order to be able to. I feel like Mike Pence with this fly all around me at the moment. We, <laughs> I put special cards on your chairs. Uh, last week for a donation to gift day but this week I've got a card that's going to enable you to give much much more so I'm going to ask you uh, perhaps that you could just hand those cards out to that side of the room and perhaps you'd like to hand those cards out to that side of the room over there so um, what I'm handing out now and listen if you're at home You won't miss this because if you look on the front page of the website and if you look on the watch page, it does say click here to download what I've got here. It's a being donor card. So each of you are going to have uh, have got a being uh, donor card for you to actually enable you uh, to make that decision. And uh, it's an opportunity for you. Has everyone got one of those cards? That's good. Fantastic. So, it says being... There we are. I've got some spare ones. It says being donor card. And uh, there's a good old picture of a a heart there. It makes it look like a heart. And then on the right, of course, you've got Michelangelo's hands, which will... Robert, you've not got a being donor card. Your being is vital to the... uh, Fulfillment of what what we're doing here. So good. Fantastic. So, you haven't got one. You need one each. You're not one being, are you? So, yeah. Oh, no, no. Listen, couples, please, honestly. Has anyone else coupled up and taken one card? No, good. <laughs> <It's> terrible. <laughs> okay, so there we are. So, being donor, you can take this. It says, I hereby donate my being to the universe to serve the purposes of life's unfolding. I do this in love with no expectation of a return. Great spirit of all, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all creatures. So really what this does is you can, you can do this in your own time. There's going to be no homework on this. There's no test. I'm not going to be checking up on you on this. But what I would suggest you do is you know, have a think about that. If you just feel comfortable with it, you can just sign it and date it. And then put in a scrapbook or something like that. You don't have to carry it around with you, you know, in your wallet or anything like that. But it's an opportunity to experience making that decision. And on the back of it, I put that prayer. Uh, that, uh, and if you, I've sort of arranged the printing. So when you download it, it looks like they're on different pages. But if you print it uh, from what you download from the website, I think you'll find that the front prints on the back. But you have to work that out. So, so, it's an opportunity for you to, to, to take it and experience making that decision and, and express in your own life, you know, thinking about it, making that decision. Good. So, any questions about that? Anyone want to, to, to say anything about it? There's a microphone there if anybody wants to. Well, good. I shall expect to see the change in you all next week, having signed this card uh, and making sure. Uh, that that happens, anyway, I think this, I, I like this idea of the uh, making the decision, the the idea that uh, you know, that when you make that decision, it changes thing and Thomas Merton describes faith as intellectual assent that 's assent as in agreeing with something rather than going up a, a mountain. intellectual assent he describes. Uh, um, faith as being it is giving over to that and I just want to read you a little passage that he wrote about this he says place no hope in the feeling of assurance in spiritual comfort you may well have to get along without this place no hope in the inspirational preachers of Christian sunshine who are able to pick you up and set you back on your feet and make you feel good for three or four days until you fold up again and collapse with despair. Self-confidence is a precious gift, a sign of health, but it is not the same thing as faith. Faith is much deeper, and it must be deep enough to subsist when you are weak, when you are sick, when our self-confidence is gone, when our self-respect is gone. I don't mean that faith only functions when we're otherwise in a state of collapse, but true faith must be able to go on even when everything else is taken away from us. Only a humble man is able to accept faith on these terms so completely without reservation that he is glad of it in its pure state and welcomes it happily even when nothing else comes with it and when everything else is taken away. If we're not humble, we tend to demand that faith must also bring with it good health, peace of mind, good luck, success in business, popularity, world peace and every other good thing that we can imagine. And it is true that God can give us all these good things if he wants to, but they're of no importance compared with faith, which is essential. If we insist on other things as the price of our believing, we tend by the very fact, that very fact, to undermine our own belief. I do not think it would be an act of mercy on God's part simply to let us get away with this. So this being donor card, this signing of that, is the intellectual assent. It is saying, I'm giving myself over. I am allowing that being, and then, you know, the prayer on the back that Merton also wrote. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you, and if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, Subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.